The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists and, ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lopercaro, and this episode's guest is Local Natives. Local Natives are a five-piece group from Los Angeles. For over a decade, they've been a respected indie staple, blending folk-esque harmonies and storytelling with indie guitars and bright choruses. Their albums are meticulously planned and thought out. While this yields great results, it can be pretty tiring. So this time, they decided to try something different. Release a short EP, highlighting four songs that never fit into an album, but needed to be heard. I rarely do EPs on this podcast, but you guys, one, were definitely worth the exception. Um, I knew this was going to be good, and... I don't know. I was really curious, like, when I was getting the PR, seeing you guys talk about how different it was to write this compared to your albums. I was, I guess I was just a little more curious to to unpack that a little bit and chat through it. Also, we're going to go track by track on this because since each song is so individual, I feel like it doesn't make sense to kind of lump them together in themes. So we're going to do that. Um, But Again, talking about the process. First off, were any of these songs written during the pandemic or were they all done beforehand? All done beforehand. Um, we wrote a lot of them, most of them at least like a long time ago. And then we recorded everything late last year. I think uh, November of last year. Is that right, Kels? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, were they all like initially supposed to be released as like an EP? Like were you just kind of writing them all freely or were you hoping to eventually kind of slot them into albums in some sense? Um, most of them actually were, we tried to put them on albums, but uh, I feel like songs kind of reveal themselves to feel right with a collection of other songs or they're kind of like stick out like sore thumbs and you kind of put them off to the side uh, and, and yeah, the majority of this EP are, are, I think, songs from the last, yeah, couple albums that haven't totally worked out. And we had some time late last year and we thought we have, you know, a few things lying around. Let's just try to record them and not put any pressure on anything. And we tried to record four songs and we got four songs that we liked. So there's your EP. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it must be nice to kind of have that palate cleanser as well, because as much as you know, it's a wonderful thing to put together an album that's really like sonically together and thematically together. It takes a lot of mental strain to do that. So again, this must have been a nice kind of like, oh, okay, we don't need to think about this. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, we, we, had, uh, we had just come off of tour kind of... Um, and there's always that cycle of like, I feel like the more time we spend in the studio by the end, we're like, oh, I can't wait to get back out on tour. And then 
when we're on tour and we're exhausted, we're like, man, I just, I want to get home and work on music. And so, um, I think this time was like, you know, we were home, we were like feeling excited to get back in, in the studio and, you know, it, I don't want to paint them as like, they weren't songs that didn't make the last records because they weren't like good enough. I think it, like Kelsey said, like we just like kind of didn't find the right version of a lot of them. And especially like, I think like Aris and Lost, those are probably two of the oldest songs, um, at least that we've like kept for a long time before finishing. Um, but yeah, it just kind of felt right. Like we just had them for so long and we'd always kind of wanted to finish them it just felt like for some reason this time was like the vibe is there the vibe is good like let's let's just try to do it um so yeah without the pressure of an album it was nice to just be like let's just put all our energy into four songs yeah and I think that's really needed I mean I talk about like kind of mental health and like overworking yourselves a lot with my friends who are musicians and I'm always kind of like you need to slow down um so, yeah, I'm definitely happy that you guys found that balance. So, yeah, and it's manifested beautifully regardless. So that's always good. Well, Thank you. We'll get into the first song now, which I think that would have been uh, Ryan and, and Taylor worked on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, are you talking about Lemon? I, I know yes. I'm forgetting the order. Of, okay. Uh, with, yeah. Uh, I mean, with Madam Sharon Van Etten. I know, right? We, yes. uh, so that was one that I had that I brought and then... Um, for, yeah, just it was like one that I wanted to just try to write quick because it was like more simple than I think anything that I'd, I'd had. And so, yeah, like Taylor and I jammed on it one day and then um, we like met up with Sharon Van Etten like a few weeks or months later and kind of were like, well, we have this song. And she ended up writing this like rad vocal melody on the outro. Um, and then I think it wasn't even like, maybe like maybe a year or so went by we didn't work on it for violet street and uh yeah we knew we wanted her to be on the song but scheduling wasn't gonna work and then uh she had just moved to la and i like saw her walking outside of this coffee shop and i kind of just like stopped her on the street and i was like what are you doing here this is crazy uh we're recording the song this week can you like come in and like throw down your vocal if, if you, you know if that works and she was totally down and ended up being like yeah perfect timing i guess oh my god i love when stuff like that happens also i mean obviously sharon vennetton is an incredible singer and songwriter our love is one of my favorite songs of all time um but she's also such a lovely person i met her um at a music festival last summer and i interviewed her and i think she's up there with just one of the nicest people that i've spoken to yeah we can definitely attest to that she's just been nothing but awesome and we just did the music video um last week it's already out but yeah you know she's she's a new mom and so she I don't know she made time for us to just shoot that music video and it was it was so easy to do with her and she's just been awesome yeah the whole the whole process that's good well talking about I guess the the theme of the song because I mean the lyric styles of the four songs are all different so I've been trying to kind of like investigate and try and understand the stories behind them but this one I kind of got the sense that it was playing with the idea of two people like constantly just missing each other in life like life just never quite lining up for them is that like in the right zone or am I am I off yeah 
Definitely. Um, I think like at least when, when I was working on the song, um, I was kind of like living with uh, my girlfriend at the time and, you know, she had like a normal nine to five and she would like get up early and go to work. And, you know, my job, we would be at the studio till late. So our just, our lives were always just kind of crisscrossing and like never really fully aligned. Um, and then if you even zoom out, like we would be on tour and she would be home and the time zones. And it was just always this thing of like, even when you're in the same space as somebody, I think there's also like, you have to work hard to kind of occupy the same space emotionally and, and mentally and stuff. And I think um, that's where that song was coming from. All the kind of like little domestic moments, the little like details in the song. Like um, I think at least for us, like being like traveling musicians, like being home takes on a whole new meaning of like, you know, you find like the, beauty i guess and just like the like kind of like boring domestic things and and you kind of appreciate them more um yeah so that's kind of like at least where that song was coming from so i guess you kind of hit the nail on the head but releasing it during quarantine i, I guess like feels like even even more poignant in a weird way now that we're all spending so much like time at home um yeah it's just it's bizarre that it's coming out now it's kind of like those paths finally get to cross and stay in the same place for a little while. For sure. And the what I one of the things I really loved about this song, which I definitely caught a lot on Violet Street, was that you're really good at capturing these very like small, intimate moments and images, like someone having their hair up in a towel and catching like a rerun of the Late Show. Or, and it was the same with like When Am I Gonna Lose You and Garden of Elysian. You know, just. I, I love like songs that kind of zoom in on these little fragments of, of daily life. Yeah. I think Kelsey and I are big fans of like, you know, guys like Paul Simon, who I feel like are so good at, at pulling so much emotion out of like seemingly like mundane things. Um, and yeah, so I'm stoked that you, that you, you know, you hear that. Cause I think we put a lot of effort into that, you know, we want wow. the lyrics to be evocative in that way. Yeah, thinking of a more modern example as well. I think like Matt Berninger of The National also does that really well. Again, it's those little zoom-ins. For sure. Well, I think from here, I'm going to jump to Statues in the Garden, aka Ara. I think I said that right. Yeah. I speak French. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, I'm from Montreal, so I have to. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, otherwise. Oh, you probably, yeah, we don't even, we've been saying it for so long, and I doubt we're pronouncing it right, so I'm glad that you did. I think so. Well, I watched the video for it the other day, and it's it's a little bit of an acid trip. Um, it's pretty wild, but I loved it. Now, you use, or whoever did the illustration, used the images of lemons in it a lot, which I know the EP is called Sour Lemon. The first song is called Lemon. Um, were those just there for, like, visual interest, or is, like, the lemon sort of like a, like a recurring symbol or something that you wanted to play with? the the lyric in lemon the sour lemon eyes is just kind of like a reference to like how how my girlfriend like looks when she's like waking up and like you know just like squinting into the sun uh but then it yeah it kind of like that whole world i think like it, it became the ep and i think like jamie jamie wolf who did the art like she's this incredible animator that Nick, our bassist, uh, had been a big fan of, and he kind of like 
hit her up to do that. And um, I think she kind of took that theme and just, and just really ran with it. Just like the, the visual of like, of the lemon. Um, and you're right. I think, I think that the song itself is kind of, um, kind of a trip in, in the arrangement, I think. And I think she really captured that, that journey uh, in that video. Oh yeah, she definitely took the like the trippiness of the song and really brought it forward. Cause like I could hear it when I listened to it, but sometimes again when you have the visual that matches, it just like really makes you think like, oh no, this is like kind of wild, but I like it. Now I know that you recorded this song in Arras, which is a city in northern France. Um, but other than the fact that that's where you recorded, is there like another reason that the song? took the name uh, is there a link with the, the other half of the title statues in the garden um there's actually just just like kind of like seed like idea the demo um that i just recorded on my iphone just you know a little hotel room demo that was just while we were on tour in that city in france and then um that was like way back in like 2013 and then i think we were in thailand the next year uh, and we were at some studio trying to play it as a band. Um, I think I have like video of that, like trying to figure out the song. And then I didn't have all the lyrics for like a really long time. And then that Statues in the Garden line came up because the song it, to me was about somebody trying to like find their place in the world amongst like all the things changing around them, you know, we, we ourselves are changing and growing and then the world is changing. And it sometimes can feel just like this, like never ending, like kind of like spinning. Um, yeah, just craziness. And I think like, uh, statues in the garden being this thing that's more permanent, like while everything else is kind of like, um, growing and evolving around it, it's almost like, the thing that gets to watch that happening um i don't know i think <laughs> i think i also like have gotten a lot more into meditation over the past like two or three years and i think that kind of crept in there a little bit too so that's kind of like at least where the statues in the garden line came from um and then rs was just like our working title that we all referred to it as forever because that's just the only name we had for it it, yeah, when you have a song for such a long time under a, a working title, it ends up kind of taking on a new meaning, almost to the, to, I guess, to the point where it didn't even, possibly didn't matter how we were pronouncing it, because it just yeah. it didn't mean a town in France anymore. It just meant totally. this, this song they were trying to make, you know, happen. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah we've gotten into trouble when we make like kind of like joke song titles for, for songs that are just working like works in progress and then those titles stick and then it comes time to like naming them for real and we're like oh no now we've got to change that name we love oh god and the label's like no sometimes sometimes we leave it sometimes we change it i feel like uh there's a song on hummingbird our second album called woolly mammoth that was the that was the original the the demo title or whatever and it just I don't, when we found this drum beat that Matt uh, plays on it, yeah. it just feels so big. And it just, it was like, yeah, this works. It feels like a woolly mammoth, like stomping around. So that's okay. kind of just why that one stuck. Well, moving on to the third song now, Lost. Um, definitely makes me think a lot about like loss of youth. Um, and I know like you guys, I'm assuming you're what, like early 30s? 
guys? Is that we're okay. almost not, but we're still hanging on. I like to think we are. <laughs> Just holding on by a thread. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, so obviously you're still young people, so know that I'm not implying that you're old. Um, but I know that, you know, a few of you in the band have sort of entered like new phases of your lives, if you will. Like Ryan, I think you're engaged now. Kelsey, I'm pretty sure you're married. I know Taylor has a kiddo. Um, and so is there, was there any element of, I guess, that sort of like moving on to new stages in this song? Yeah, um, well, that's a song I brought to the table. And I, I think that the first iteration of that came maybe like a year after um, Aris. Um, and yeah, it, it, I feel like you picked up on it perfectly. I mean, that's like a big theme in that song of uh, me kind of coming into my 30s, feeling like you're expecting to arrive in some in some sense and you're expecting to kind of maybe be more fully formed. And I think there's like a sobering quality to hitting that age. And, and just, I, I feel like it's a trope and a cliche for, you know, so many reasons, so many people feel it and you get to your thirties and you're like, Oh, I'm like never done cooking. Like I'm just in the oven forever. The oven is like my life. Like, and yeah. I'm never, I'm never done. Um, and so I, I feel like uh, you kind of like look at yourself and think back on your youth and your 20s and like I feel like I spent so much of my 20s like just like racing towards getting older or racing towards my goals without actually just looking around yeah <laughs> and and it's and it's this double-edged sword where it's just it's a thing you learn later in life that if somebody told you in your early 20s you there's no way that you would take that advice just because you don't know what it feels like until you're gone. Uh, so lost is, I guess, kind of um, um, existential uh, third life crisis song for me. Uh, yeah. And and it took a and it took a while to get right. Uh, just like ours, it went through. We 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 did this writing session in Thailand before our third album, Sunlit Youth, and that was one of the songs we tried to mess with and. We really tried a bunch of different versions to make that work, but just ne nothing ever felt right. So we put it on the shelf for a while, and and come late last year, uh, it was just one of the one of the ones that worked out. It's interesting now, just thinking about it. It does feel like even though it's an EP, I'm now realizing there are themes on it, of, and and I think that is a big one of just feeling like we never really arrive. Like I, I know like lemon is about wanting to like arrive at some place together with a person like RS is about like realizing that you never really arrive. It's just kind of always changing and trying to make peace with that. And then obviously lost is the same thing. Like that lyric, like, are you the one you lost? Like it's, you just never are. You're just always changing and you just kind of have to like make peace with that. I think. And, and I think, Funnily enough, like that's that's the theme. Even though it's not an album, it feels like each song is about grappling with that. Um, yeah, and I think maybe it's just because we're all going through that together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, having having three songwriters and having all the whole band, you know, yeah, be so, so close that it seems like when we try to put songs together for a body of work, luckily always some some themes emerge, and then you kind of try to embrace them and try to run with them and um 
Yeah, it's 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 funny how much we were like trying to not put so much pressure on an EP as the same body of work as an album, but I feel like we're maybe so used to creating, you know, some sort of cohesion that it just happened naturally, which I prefer because it's way less work. So hopefully that's what it's like moving forward. <laughs> Be great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I have a, a theory that is slowly being confirmed the more I interview people. I think that a lot of albums are accidentally concept albums because we have this fun little thing called a subconscious. Um, so even when we don't think that we're like planning anything, it's like, here's the stuff that's clearly in the back of my head that's coming back and kind of hitting me in the face. <laughs> it's, it's funny when you think of like how albums are created and producers are, can be such a big part of that. And, and how there's all this like producer folklore of like incepting people's minds to like go different directions. And I feel like Brian Eno or people like uh, Daniel Lenoir, or you hear like these stories of them trying to get a reaction and trying to get like a performance. And it's all, it's, it's just all so like, yeah, so lives in the subconscious, like all yeah. this work. Even like just as a band, we've been together for so long and, and for so much of it, we basically led the same life. We all lived together. We were like in a van or in the bus and like spending like most of the year together. Um, that, yeah, we had this like hive mind mentality, you know, we were all like kind of like thinking and feeling the same things. And what's interesting is even as we've gotten older now, we all live in separate houses, thankfully. Um, and just kind of are, you know, like you said, like, dealing with different things in life, like Taylor having a kid and, and people like having families and stuff. It's like, in a weird way, we still all like have the, we still operate on this like shared sort of like conscious wavelength when we get together. And I think like, yeah, it's just funny to me. Um, I'm curious to see what we do with like our, our new songs and stuff. But um, this EP is an interesting case of like, even then we're like still kind of writing about similar themes. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's on. It's on, it definitely must be on some kind of like subconscious level. Yeah, I will say before we move on to the final song, my I think my favorite line in this whole song and potentially on the whole EP is "Entombed at your mother's house," which just makes me think of like how we all have either the attic or the basement full of just like memorabilia and random crap from when we were kids. For us, there's like right around the corner from my room we have like a bunch of photo albums well that was that was kelsey that was kelsey's line hey hey, uh, hey uh, i'm gonna say i think ryan didn't you write that line i think that was like the one line i didn't write oh my god no i can't remember <laughs> well so like taylor what's my that verse what's that verse i'm trying to remember it's uh, oh it's the second verse uh and you wonder where you are yeah and it's it's right before the sunglasses or the oh okay right 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 right. yeah yeah kelsey and i worked on that together well so so ryan and taylor and myself will all bring songs to the group and then the three of us will help each other try to like make certain phrases stronger and i feel like ryan has really blossomed into being just the the go-to lyric uh like fix it man like he's like uh i'm trying to think of who like like these problem solvers and like these tim movies. the tool man taylor 
No, I, well, I was gonna say something cooler than that. Uh, I'm the builder. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. He's a. You're the guy in Pulp Fiction uh, that comes in and he's like, "If I'm Kurt, I apologize, but time is of the essence. <laughs> we got stuff we need to solve, and uh, you know, helps him clean up like all I'm the." I'm gonna blood. say that exact phrase next time Taylor brings a song. Let's <laughs> oh my god! So, it's it's Kurt. So <laughs> It's so great, like, cause, cause Taylor and Ryan, uh, Taylor and myself will have a song, and uh, and oftentimes Ryan will j take like a verse and just like really tweak it to make make it so much stronger. Um, and on that song, I do think that that was Ryan. So thank you, Ryan. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know if I remember, but I'm stoked to hear that. You write a lot of lyrics, write a lot of songs. <laughs> Gets all jumbled. It's yeah. hard to, to remember. That's right. The point is, it's here. Um, it has arrived, and it made it in one piece. So, well, we'll get to the final song now, um, which of course is "Future Lover." It is freaking adorable. Again, makes me think a lot of Garden of Elysian and "When Am I Gonna Lose You," just because of that sort of sweetness of it. Um, this sort of idea of being like you're looking at a person. It's like, dude, you have no idea what's about to happen. Um, <laughs> and it's yeah i mean that's interesting because that's so this is the song in the ep that taylor brought to the table and those other two you mentioned garden and uh when am i gonna lose you taylor brought those to the table and i do see the through line you know i feel like um yeah they do have a similar sense of kind of like seeing something or like seeing like something that you want to happen so badly and you know like at some point this thing's gonna happen but you know it's not here yet so all you can do is kind of like i don't know um it's like manifest manifesting yeah in a way it's just like having having the sort of like i don't know faith or whatever it is in the sense that like um things are you know gonna work out if you just kind of like keep keep working towards them in a way um mm -hmm. yeah yeah i could see that and also sonically this sort of clocked for me like right before i logged in with you guys but sound wise it kind of reminds me of the shins a bit there's like some stuff on their last album well their final album heartworms that had like some similar guitar riffs and i really loved that album so it's kind of happy to revisit that hell yeah yeah nice yeah that the future lover is an interesting one because that one has been around for for like five years or something and it was always just this really simple idea and 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 it but it, it, it never had like enough like excitement i think for people to to make it on on an album and it just kind of other things kind of ended up feeling more like exciting at the time and I feel like it's another good thing about working on the CP is just shining a light on some of these ideas that maybe got overshadowed and then, you know, seeing them in a new context and, and then finally seeing their value and how like they, how great they could, they can be. Um, yeah. It's funny. Like Taylor always has these like cosmic love songs. They're always like love songs, but they're about like, loving someone over the course of like millenniums or something millennia <laughs> like i think like past lives was like another one like that you know where yeah. he was, was like 
feels like you know you could love someone like in this life and like in like a thousand others you know like he gets like really out there when it comes to like love songs and he's he's just another one in that canon yeah yeah totally he's just he's he's a drama queen you know (laughs) (laughs) that's who he is definitely love drama yeah he's great yeah hey you have to have one that's right it's because the passion to the band yeah Sour Lemon is available now everywhere that you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply